Month to Sustainability by Julie Marzetti, where I interviewed the best and brightest in the sustainability field. Today, I'm here with me, Kesho Isaiah, a youth climate and environmental champion and indigenous advocate from the Maasai community in Kenya. He's the co-founder of the Main Network, which amplifies the voices of indigenous and local communities in regards to climate crisis. Moreover, he's among the focal activists at Fridays for Future Kenya, and he's also a member of Spice Warriors Kenya and the head of environment and climate change at the National Youth Caucus in Kenya. Hi, Keshoi. Thank you so much for being with us today. Hi, yeah, thank you. As all our guests, I'm going to ask you, what is sustainability for you? Yeah, according to me, the sustainability is all about the fulfillment of the need of the current situation without compromising the need of the future generation or future fulfillment. And also, in summary, sustainability is all about ensuring the economical and also balance in growth. That was such a short and punchful definition, and I love it. And now I'm going to ask you to tell us a bit about your story and your community where you're from. My story is very interesting, and I have a very wonderful journey that I've also posted on the Global Youth Storytelling Lab, whereby they chose me as a youth advisory board on their Global Storytelling Lab. And I'm from the Maasai community, and also the Maasai are pastoralist communities, and also they depend on livestock as source of their livelihood. So sometimes back, we used to go to school, walking from uh, long distances, going to school at the same time. We have to go to school and also we have to get the education. So it was a kind of difficult situation maybe for most of us and also due to the impacts of climate change. So the community that I come from, climate crisis has impacted them. You could find people, maybe the problems that are there, not only maybe education problem, there are also insecurity problem, poverty. So the climate crisis are inflicted most of their problems. And also you find that um, those days we walk to school, at the same time, even our mothers lack water and all that. And also migration was all about that because we used to graze. So when you go to school, during the daytime, you have to also balance. Maybe you can go to school at the same time. Sometimes you have to miss school to go and migrate to your livestock and move to one place to another. So it was a very, very wonderful journey. But also I'm lucky because I went to school and also learned more about the climate crisis and also education. So it's only education that have even made me also to maybe appear on such platform because I know many other young people from my community, from this indigenous community who don't even access to maybe platforms such as LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter. So just because we went to school and now we know how challenges in our community because most of the people in, in, in our community haven't gone to school. Like for instance, my parents haven't gone to school. So sometimes I have just to explain them about this because for them, the only amazing thing in my community is that they are rich in indigenous knowledge and also the culture. So you find that the culture connects with nature and that's how they preserve wildlife and all that. And also that's how they conserve environment. So what's motivated me to be a climate advocate and also an indigenous community advocate uh, is the fact that I used to graze livestock around Masai Mara in Kenya. So my home place is just a few kilometers from Masai Mara. So when we graze our livestock, we could find zebras, gazelles there and all that. So the intimacy of our nature and also culture came through that. And also that's how I developed the passion and then from that moment, I didn't really realize that uh, this climate crisis because I didn't know from that moment. But now the only thing that I was 
uh, inform that time is all about wildlife conservation, nature, and how we can also live with wild animals and also biodiversity protection and all that. So that's how I started my journey. Also, in terms of maybe understanding all about the climate crisis, is the fact that grown up in an environment whereby the impacts of climate change have really caused damages and loss. So that's why I understand my community, and that's why when, when even I come to social media. I have to speak about these communities because I know that most of them, they haven't gone to school. They don't know even social media. So those people who have gone to school like us, who have uh, reached this level and also trying to even influence the world and also trying to show the world that these people have this voice and these people go through this and also through climate storytelling, sharing from grassroots level, the world can also understand that these people do this and they endure this and also contribute this to solution to climate crisis and biodiversity. Loss. Thank you so much for sharing your powerful stories and for sharing also your journey as a climate advocate and an indigenous climate advocate. You have already mentioned that your community is doing a lot for environmental conservation and sustainability. So I'm going to ask you, can you give us some examples of projects that you are involved in, in terms of environmental conservation, sustainability, and also your community is involved in? Yeah. If one day someone visits my village or anybody visits there, one of the main key activities that people does there is wildlife conservation because you find people are more connected to wildlife. So at that moment, even people from different parts of the world comes to see the wildlife and also they come to experience the culture. So now from that moment, the culture now connects uh, with nature. We have different ways where the culture trying to protect the biodiversity, that we don't have to do this, we don't have to do this. So a lot of amazing things within the culture. So from that moment, that's how the wildlife conservation is being protected and also the nature. So the indigenous knowledge also comes from the way that the communities embrace their nature and wildlife. Like the last year, people were getting uh, evicted from Tanzania, the massacre from Tanzania. And even most of the time, these people stay in a very conducive environment and also in a very protected environment because for them, they protect nature and also biodiversity. So you find that most of the companies and also the governments, they want to evict these people from where they're living. So I think that's the only challenge that they only face. And then in terms of the projects that we involve, and also we have workshops and also advocacy, so most of these communities, from the indigenous community, they understand about the climate, the climate crisis, and also biodiversity protection. Most of them, we've been engaging them in workshop and also educating them now, and even bringing them to the world of reality. That now you, now that we know all about indigenous protection, now we have climate crisis here. So how are you going to combat the climate crisis? And also, we have scientific knowledge here. And we have indigenous knowledge here. So we are trying to bring the gap between the indigenous knowledge and scientific knowledge. Also, what's that between it? Because most of the time you find that even the scientists need to know more about the indigenous communities so that they can also predict the science. So that's number three. And also we have the we also have the involvement of the wildlife education and environmental awareness that we do in our grassroots level, and also in terms of maybe involving young people and advocacy involving them in terms of maybe cleanups, workshops, trainings, and all that. And also in terms of maybe biodiversity, that's where the indigenous knowledge now falls under. Most of us are lucky, like, like me right now, I'm lucky because I understand more about my culture, I understand more about the indigenous knowledge. So sometimes when I get back home and also when I go to the village, 
when I'm there most of the time, I help my community in also connecting and also trying to train them on how they can also understand more about the climate crisis because most of these communities, they're on the front end of the climate crisis, yeah. I love how you touch upon the culture as a pillar of sustainability. And of course, culture is a pillar of sustainability together with environmental, social, and economic. Yeah. And the importance of culture as a mean for environmental conservation. As a last yeah. question, Kisha, I'm going to ask you, what do you think we can do more for sustainability in your country, but also worldwide? Before I get there, uh, there's something I wanted to answer concerning the sustainability in my community. Uh, it's so funny because you see now the red sugar that I'm wearing it now, there's a lot of sustainable in terms of fashion sustainability. You find that my community is the best community that has the best fashion sustainability. Because you, you see for us, we wear this sugar and maybe you have two of them or even three. So you don't have to buy many clothes. It's only that the fact that now the industry has changed and people are buying clothes and all that. But two years ago, or even three years ago, you could find that in our community, even my grandfather used to wear, used to have three pairs of clothes, three pairs of sugar like this one. So when he wears that one, he doesn't have to buy more more. And even the shoes, the shoes that, have you ever seen see the shoe of the Maasai people? We have the kind of, is a rubber, rubber kind. So we don't have to buy more shoes, we just have to one, one pair of shoes. So I think also when it's come to maybe culture and also the, how the Maasai wear the shoe cars and all that, it also creates a sustainable world environment yeah, for them. Now coming back to the question that you asked me about uh, how can we do sustainability maybe worldwide. I understand the aspects of sustainability because we have the economic viability, environmental protection, and also we have the social equity. So in terms of economic viability, I think the leaders have to take accountable of making sure that we have development around these communities. We have things that can also sustain them. And also we have things that can help them grow in terms of economical sustainability. So from that moment now, I think the world now can adapt to maybe growth and also most of the communities can be helped in terms of maybe sustainability. So we also have the environmental protection. Also, that's the, the big thing now. So I think now in terms of environmental protection, we need people to also trying to face out forces fuels and also try also to make sure that we have the sustainable world, that people can also feel free, people can enjoy, people can adapt. And because most of these communities from the grassroots level, you also find that, as I told you earlier, they protect much a lot. They have very fertile land, they have beautiful forest, they have beautiful rivers. So most of the time you find that governments want to evict them so that you can even build companies for fossil fuels and all that. So I think in terms of social equity, that's how it also falls because you find that in the recent world, there's a lot of uh, unfairness in terms of maybe uh, distribution of resources and also exploitation. You find that mo most of these people that are being evicted from where they live and also most of the companies want to invest in fossil fuels rather than even investing in clean energy projects, projects that can also be sustainable for the future of the communities. So I think that uh, from those three perspective areas, that's how the world can now achieve sustainability. Yeah. Thank you so much for your wisdom and also for bringing up sustainable fashion. I also agree that less is more. We don't need a lot of clothes and we also can live with consuming less, let's say. Thank you so much, Kishoi, for being with us today to talk about sustainability. It has been a pleasure. Yeah. 
Thank you so much for having me. And also ask me any question on LinkedIn. I also holding some workshop next month on this 10 in my community. We're doing a very good workshop on climate education and also sustainability also. We're doing a workshop. So I'm still mobilizing, doing some mobilization, also resources and all that. So feel free to also reach out and also you kind of want to help us in maybe something else that you can do because we're already working on mobilization and all that. In fact, it's a very unique one because we're doing the second one and we're doing with the Morans, young Masai Morans. Those people, they're in a, in a place called Manyata. Manyata is a, is a village for Masai people and they have been doing an amazing job in terms of the tourist attraction and also biodiversity protection. So these guys, they haven't gone to school, but they, they know much a lot in terms of biodiversity protection. And also most of them understand English and they know how to. So now we are, uh, I'm trying to bring them, what do we call climate education? And also for them to also understand all about this, because most of them don't know. So I'm doing that project next month. And also, yeah, I'll post you guys will see and you, you want to enjoy and also try, trying to know the experiences that we do at the grassroots level. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Sustainability by Julia Marzati. Do not forget to subscribe and follow us on social media. See you in the next episode. Opinions and views expressed herein are strictly personal and cannot be attributed to our guests, full host, employers or affiliation and cannot be used out of context.